0: Or a scripture reading this morning <clears throat> excuse me it's from Proverbs 8 verse 1 to 11 so the numbers are so low this morning I was the fourth choice everybody was sick <laughs> so I'm hoping my croaky voice that I woke up with this morning will do justice <laughs> so Proverbs 8 1 to 11 the blessings of wisdom does not wisdom call does not understanding raise her voice on the heights beside the way, at the crossroads, she takes her stand. Beside the gates in front of the town, at the entrance of the portal, she cries aloud, To you, O oh man, I call, and my cry is to the children of man. O oh, simple ones, learn prudence. O oh, fools, learn sense. Hear, for I speak noble things, and from my lips will come what is right, for my mouth will utter truth. Wickedness is an abomination to my lips. All the words of my mouth are righteous. There is nothing twisted or crooked in them. They are all straight to him who understands and right to those who find knowledge. Take my instruction instead of silver, and knowledge rather than choice gold. For wisdom is better than jewels, and all that you may desire cannot compare with her. This is the word of the Lord.
1: So at this time of year, we're nearing the end of the year, um, we often look forward to the next year. Uh, so I'm going to pose a question, which is, what do you want in the next year? We look at that question and people will set New Year's resolutions. We will uh, make, put, put in, uh, into our minds goals, dreams, aspirations for the coming year. Those, those uh, resolutions, they can be anything from exercising more, eating better, maybe to get a job or to get a promotion or to retire. Could be to save enough money for a down payment, a new car, many different things. Those lists are probably as diverse as the people in this room. Everyone has different goals, different things that they want for the new year. So the next question, then, is what do you need in the next year? And again, we likely have very diverse understandings um, of what we need in the next year. One thing that I will tell you, and I will proclaim, that each and every one of us in this room, myself included, there is one thing that we do need in the next year. We need to grow in wisdom. That is one thing that is every one of us, we need it. It's not a diverse thing like the lists of our wants. We need to grow in wisdom. So how do we do that? First of all, we need to understand what wisdom is. If you were to go to a dictionary, the first thing that you would see beside the word wisdom in a dictionary is the quality or state of being wise. Well, it's not that helpful. So I will uh, try to expand on that a bit. What does it then mean to be wise? If wisdom is the state of being wise, what does it mean to be wise? To understand what it means to be wise, we need to realize that wisdom and knowledge are not equal synonyms. To be knowledgeable is not to be wise. In order to be wise, you must have knowledge. But having knowledge does not automatically make you wise. A biblical understanding of the word wisdom, and to some extent a a dictionary definition, wisdom is to have knowledge and to then use that knowledge properly. Wisdom is superior to knowledge. Wisdom is to take the knowledge, the insight, the understanding that we have and to use it rightly and justly to properly apply our knowledge. That is what it means to be wise. Further to that, we can look to the Bible for a definition of Wisdom. And in the next chapter of Proverbs, in Proverbs chapter 9, we get uh, a definition of where wisdom comes from. Proverbs chapter 9 verse 10 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. Wisdom comes from our relationship with God. That's what where wisdom stems from. Having a right relationship with God gives us wisdom. So now, with a basic understanding of the word, of what it means to be wise, to have wisdom, and I say basic because it's far more complex than what I've just described, we will get a better understanding as we go along, but with that basic understanding, we can really get into the passage that Norma read for us this morning. And in this passage, we see wisdom portrayed as a woman, the author of Proverbs personifies wisdom. He gives wisdom a voice. He gives wisdom a character. This character of Lady Wisdom is prominent throughout the book of Proverbs. The book of Proverbs, oftentimes when we think of the book of Proverbs, we think of one or two line sayings. And we think that's what the majority of the book is. Um, And a big chunk of the book is that But that only comes after, that starts in chapter 10. The first eight chapters of the book of Proverbs are a description of wisdom as a person. They are instruction on how to better interpret those one or two line sayings. And prominent throughout those first nine chapters is the character of Lady Wisdom. She's not the only character in this though. We also see woman folly. There's these two women who are calling for the attention of the young man, the original, the original intended audience of the book of Proverbs. Proverbs was written by Solomon to a son, a father to son, saying, you will be called Lady Wisdom and Woman Folly. They will call out to you. You must make the wise choice. You must listen and follow the one that is correct. It's simple to see, given the names, wisdom or folly, the correct choice is wisdom. But that is not always the easy choice. Uh, Lady folly, woman folly, lady folly, this deceptive one, is cunning. Uh, In chapter 7, immediately before the passage that Norma read for us, we get a description of woman folly sort of hiding in the shadows of her doorposts. And she waits for people to walk by and then she uses sweet and seductive language to lure them in. And we're told that those who enter her house go there and die. She is a deceiver. She is full of deceit and she will lure anyone she can to her. In contrast... Lady Wisdom stands on the street corners. She stands at the entrance to the city gates. She stands in the open places where there are many people, and she stands at the places of intersection. She stands where people must make a choice. She does not wait for an audience, she just proclaims her message. She calls loudly for all to hear. She's not ashamed of what she has to say. She knows what she is saying is good, and everyone needs to hear it. So she starts to speak and waits for those to come to her, and she doesn't stop. She continues to proclaim her message, regardless of whether there are people listening or not. She calls out. In this passage, she specifically calls out to two groups of people. She calls out to the foolish and to the simple ones, or the simple-minded ones. She tells them that they need to learn prudence and sense. So for us, we read this and we read foolish, foolish ones, simple-minded ones. And in our culture, in our understanding of language today, our minds will probably go to to those who are ignorant, to those who lack knowledge, to lack understanding. That's what our understanding of simple-mindedness or foolishness is. That's not the understanding that the author of Proverbs had. Throughout the book of Proverbs, simple-mindedness, foolishness, doesn't represent ignorance or stupidity. It represents a turning away from the Lord. One could be brilliant intellectually, have great knowledge, but still, by the definition of foolishness in Proverbs, be foolish. It's not a measure of intellect or a measure of knowledge. Foolishness in Proverbs is the opposite of wisdom. It's the opposite of correct application of knowledge. Foolishness is a representation of depravity, of moral corruptness. That is who Lady Wisdom is calling out to. To those who are morally depraved, to those who are deceitful to those who think firstly of themselves and not of others, to those who have turned away from the ways of the Lord. So we see that, and those are the ones she calls to. We don't see her calling to those who are already wise. This doesn't mean that she's overlooked the wise. There's an understanding that those who are wise know the importance of wisdom. They do not need it thrown into their face, listen to wisdom, those who are wise know I need to gain more wisdom. Part of wisdom is the realization that we can never have enough wisdom. To always be growing in wisdom is one of the first things you learn when you become wise, is that it is a necessity to continue to grow. So the wise are not overlooked. They're just not named because they don't need to be they already know the importance of the message. So Lady Wisdom has portrayed her message to, she's, she's stated the audience for her message. We now get into a description of the message. She says, Hear, for I speak noble things, and from my lips will come what is right, for my mouth will utter truth. We get this description of what her message is. She just goes on to say, There is nothing crooked or twisted in her speech. Everything that comes from her mouth is righteousness. We have this beautiful description of the purity of her message. It is right. It is just. It is kind. It is loving. We have this description, and then we get told of the value. After the description, she says, Take my instruction instead of silver. Knowledge is greater than choice gold. Goes so far to say, all that you desire cannot compare with her. Her knowledge, her message, is so far beyond anything that we can put value to. We cannot value the message of wisdom enough. So we've been given the description of the message, we've been given the value of the message. We would then assume that if we were to continue to read on, we would be given the message. If you continue to read through the rest of chapter 8 of Proverbs and through into chapter 9, you won't actually find much more of a message than what was here. You'll find further description of the value of the message. You'll find further description of what the message is, but no Nothing that we can say, here's the real meat, the content of the message. It continues to talk about how the message is pure, how it is righteous, how wisdom is just. goes on to talk about the place of wisdom's home. It says wisdom dwells with justice and prudence. We get this understanding that her message is good, but we don't actually hear it. There's a continuation of the value again. To desire her message above all things. So what do we do then? We know that this is a good and valuable message. We know that we should listen to it. But we don't know what it is. To understand the message, we have to understand that the text that we've just read is metaphor. We don't see Lady Wisdom is not a real person. Lady Wisdom clearly is a metaphor for something. To understand the message, we need to understand who Lady Wisdom represents. And what we see is that Lady Wisdom is a metaphor for God. Lady Wisdom is described in many of the same ways that we see the Holy Spirit described. Lady Wisdom represents the spirit of God and the knowledge that we receive from the Holy Spirit. In Proverbs 3, Lady Wisdom describes, it says, Lady Wisdom, she is a tree of life to those who lay hold of her. Throughout the Bible, we see God as representative of a tree of life. Um, Jesus talks about the Father being the vine and us as the branches. There's that imagery of God as this tree of life, that brings life to all. We see in the passage that we've read that our desires cannot compare to Lady Wisdom. That, again, is an aspect and a quality that we see of God. God is beyond our deepest desires. He he is so much more. Uh, Further on in chapter 8, verses 22 to 31, Lady Wisdom talks about the creation of the world. And in that passage, she talks about her role in creation. She says, before the beginning of the earth, I was with God. In the beginning, I helped God. I was the craftsman with God in the creation of mankind. She rejoiced in the creation of mankind. The same imagery that we see of God when he saw his creation and he saw man. He said, it is good. It is very good. Wisdom is doing the same thing we understand when we read this that there's this a metaphor wisdom is representing the spirit of god that makes it a little bit easier to understand the message when we understand the message that god has for us and now with the as we look back on this through christ we have the the personification in a literal sense Of wisdom and of love. We can see that message. When we understand that wisdom is a personification for God, we then look to the other main character in Proverbs of woman folly. And we see her as also a metaphor. Woman folly stands for, is a metaphor for the false gods. To the original authors, or the original readers, Folly could represent the gods of the Canaanites, Asherah, Baal, other gods, the gods of the Midianites, the Egyptians, those that were around her. All these other nations had their own gods. And that is the representation of folly. She is the lure to to idol worship. She is the lure to those that are false, to those that have manipulated the truth and twisted it and put themselves in the place of the real God. To us today, we don't have those literal, in that sense, gods of other nations that we are tempted by. But that doesn't mean that we don't have our own false gods. We have created our own false gods. We can oftentimes place money or financial stability above God. We make that our God. We worship those things. We don't do it consciously, but oftentimes we do it by the way we, our, we live our lives. We can make the appearance of having everything together our false God. We want to make sure that everyone thinks that our lives are together. We've got it together. My family's doing the right things. We've got things together. No one has it together. Not a single one of us in this room has things fully together. But we put on this persona. We put on this image because we think that's what we need. And oftentimes we can raise that above God. That becomes our false God. We can make our false gods anything from sports or musicians. Um, A a song, a, a lyric from a song from a Christian artist comes to mind where he says, America has no more stars. Now we call them idols. And it's a reference to the show American Idol. In the sense of we've, we've gone to the point where we're saying our musicians, our stars are our idols. And we go out and we watch these shows and not saying there's anything wrong with that. But when we actually make these things our idols, that becomes bigger than God. We can even put good and valuable things and things that we should place great importance on. In the place of God, we can put our families. We can put our loved ones. We can put that in the place of God. We can put our jobs in the place of God. We can put our uh, the the sense of well, we need to have the right job for our finances, for our appearances, or even for the fact I need to make sure I get the right job so that I enjoy my work. And there's nothing wrong with enjoying your work. I enjoy my work very much. But if I were to make it all about my job and not about God, that's where the job becomes an idol. So those are just a few of the hundreds, if not thousands of things that we can place in our own lives above God. Those are the things that today, to us, represent woman folly. We now have come into the choice We get to the street corners and we hear Lady Wisdom calling out, listen to my message, follow me, come with me. At the same time, from the side, Lady Folly is there and she's using sweet, seductive language saying, you don't want to do that, follow me. We need to make the choice. And that can be a challenge. We, we, don't, uh, we don't have to face that challenge on our own, though. As, we've, as I've said, with Lady Wisdom being a personification of the Holy Spirit, we have the Spirit within us. As Christians today, the Spirit is within each and every one of us. That's not something that the author of Proverbs would have experienced, would have known prior to the day of pentecost the spirit came upon people for a period of time so they could accomplish a task and then left that person so it was more of a challenge in that sense not that we are don't have a challenge to make the right choice but we have the spirit with us at all times we have the message of the of christ living within us we face daily challenges But we know that God has faced those same challenges. We've just celebrated the birth of Christ. We've celebrated God with us. We've celebrated that God became human. God went through the exact same challenges that we did. He knows what it means to be tempted between wisdom and folly. He has experienced it and he is now living within us to help us as we go through those same things. And as we've seen in Christ, this literal, not no longer a figurative, figurative personification of wisdom, Christ, a literal personification of the wisdom of God, the knowledge of God, the love of God. He gave us the message. He gave us The message of wisdom and to sum it up briefly the message of wisdom the message that christ proclaimed to us is quite simply love the lord your god with all of your heart with all of your soul with all of your strength and with all of your mind and love your neighbor as yourself that is the true content of the message of wisdom So when we read in Proverbs that wisdom speaks truth, Lady Wisdom speaks righteousness, there is nothing twisted or crooked in her speech, and her message is more valuable than gold and silver, more valuable than her deepest desires, we see that message is truly to love. Now we're always challenged. Because folly is still there. The character of woman folly is still in our lives every day. And folly is still deceptive. Woman folly still uses sweet, seductive language to get us to turn away from love. There's a manipulation in that. And it can, folly can make us think that something is loving, even though it's not. There's a twisted twisted perversion of the truth in folly. It takes something good and it twists it. That's why I love this in chapter 8, the description of wisdom, when wisdom says, there is nothing twisted or crooked in my speech. That's all that folly does. Evilness, folly, foolishness, a turning away from the Lord, there's no creativity in that. The creativity comes from God And folly takes that and twists it. It perverts it. It makes it crooked. And that is not the way of truth. That is not the way of wisdom. It can take something that looks good and twist it so it still looks good unless you look to the depth of it. And you see, no, it needs to be straight we look at the straight and true words of wisdom, the straight and true words of Christ, to love God with everything in our being and to love our neighbors as ourselves. We see that and we then know when we're faced with that choice of what do I do? I'm standing at the crossroads. Do I go straight or left or right? We choose the path of love. We choose the path that loves others and loves God, regardless of how challenging it may be for us. We need to choose the path of love. So that brings us back to the questions that we started the sermon with. What do you want in the next year? What do you need in the next year? And I made the statement at the beginning that the one th- one of the things... Not the only thing, but one of the things that I guarantee we all need is to grow in wisdom. My hope and my prayer for each and every one of you is that that is also one of the things that you want for the next year. I hope that we will be able to see our needs and see our true needs, not our perceived needs, and that our wants would align with our needs. We all need to we all need to grow in wisdom and we all should want to grow in wisdom. Now I will make another bold proclamation to all of you. I've made the proclamation that we all need to grow in wisdom. I will make another proclamation and this one will probably be a bit more bold, but I can honestly say I truly believe it. And that is a guarantee that if through this next year you grow in wisdom, your year will have been a success. It may not be a success in the eyes of the world, but if you grow in true wisdom, not in the world's perception of wisdom, which is, again, this twisted idea, it takes wisdom, a good thing, and twists it, but if we, each and every one of us, grow in the true wisdom of god which is simply put again love god and love your neighbor as yourself if we grow in that our year will be a success we may face countless difficulties and tragedies in the next year our next year next year may be full of joy it may be the best year of your life it may be the worst year of your life But if you grow in wisdom, it will have been a success. And at this point next year, if you have grown in wisdom, I guarantee you will be able to look back and say, this was a good year. Despite whatever may have happened, it has been a good year because I have grown. I have grown in the wisdom and understanding of God. I have grown from the root. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. If you've grown in wisdom, you have grown in your relationship with God. You have grown in your understanding of God. You have grown in your ability to love other people. And that is quite simply what we should all be striving for. So I challenge you as we go into the new year, I don't know whether many of you make resolutions, if any of you do, but I challenge you to make one of your resolutions, and beyond that, make it more than a resolution, because most resolutions don't seem to last more than a week or a couple of days, but to devote yourself to growing in wisdom, growing in your understanding of what it means to be in relationship with God, and growing in your understanding of what it means to love God with every ounce of your being, and to love your neighbors as yourself. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you dwell within us, that your spirit is poured out freely upon each and every one of us. We thank you that you care for us and that you love us. And we thank you that you have promised that if we lack wisdom, we can ask for it. You've said that you will pour out wisdom abundantly to us. And we thank you for that. Help us to know when we need to ask for wisdom. Help us to know what it means to grow in your wisdom. Help us to know what it means to grow in your love. Let us be a light to those around us. Let us be a help to those around us. Let us be an encouragement to those that we encounter in our daily lives. Let us encourage them to grow in wisdom also. And above all, let us love well. Let us love you and let us love our neighbors, every single person on this earth. Let us show your unconditional love to all of them. We thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.